0: To go ahead and get started. Please take your hymnals and turn to 538. 538. Blessed be the name. We'll sing the first, second, and last verse. Number 538. <clears throat>
1: wonderful name, and it is a wonderful thing to be called Christian, to know him, to follow him, to love him, to be a part of the church, the bride of Christ. Oh, how wonderful it is to be a Christian. Oh, how wonderful it is to be God's child. I hope you are grateful and thankful for your relationship with Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Oh, Father, we are thankful. We are grateful for your dear son, Jesus Christ, who came and died for our sins so we could have everlasting life Lord. there's no way we could pay for our own sins not by any type of righteousness on our own behalf not by any type of act no, not by any type of worship not by any type of uh money we could give it's only through the shed blood of jesus christ god's son can we be cleansed from our sin we're so thankful for his sacrifice on the cross for his burial for for his resurrection oh lord jesus help us to know you and, Lord, as we know you, may we grow in you and share that good news, the gospel with others, before it is too late. Bless the service tonight, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We welcome you back for a second helping. Amen. I don't know about you, but I like stuff to, that we uh, cook, and then we heat it up and eat it again. Amen. So, good to be back here on a Sunday night. Don't forget, man, we do have our men's breakfast tomorrow morning, uh, about 9 a.m., And uh, looking forward from good fellowship and food there. Uh, By the grace of God, of course, we'll have our Wednesday night service, uh, Patch the the Pirate, uh, Time for the Teens uh, on Wednesday night, by the grace of God. Men's Bible study uh, this coming Thursday, uh, the 8th at 7 p.m. Then this Friday, those of you who signed up for it, and I hope you have signed up for it, we're gonna have the Phoebe's Valentine's dinner at 6.30 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall. Looking forward to that. It's gonna be good food again and good fellowship, some games, a good devotion over Brother Eric and looking forward to that. Uh, Sunday the 11th, next Sunday night, next Sunday night, Brother Joseph Kotvast, Joseph Cotvas has been a missionary for many years. I don't, I can't remember how many years, but I believe it's over 20 years, maybe 25, over 25 years uh, to the deaf in Peru. As I mentioned this morning, that is exactly where Our dear brother, Nate Tannehill, who we commissioned to be a missionary in December, if you remember that, that's where he is staying. Actually, he's ministering with brother Joe's son and uh, his dad is out on deputation, visiting churches, reporting to churches and he asked him to come by and share his ministry. Uh, with us, and I said, sure, come on by, and uh, so that he'll be a blessing next Sunday night. I hope you will come to that. We'll have visitation when we go out and tell folks about Jesus on uh, February the 17th. Hope you can join us from that, from 10 to 12. Men, we do have our annual men's retreat at the Venture of Faith camp, and that's coming up on Saturday, Friday and Saturday, February 23rd and 24th, about an hour, 15, 20 minutes away. Uh, We'll probably leave that afternoon, that late afternoon, like 435, and head up there. Uh, I think dinner starts at 7, uh, and we'll have preaching after that. But it's a good time of good food, good fellowship, great preaching. Uh, Pastor Joe Arthur was the uh, featured preacher last year, and he was a blessing, an encouragement. I know he'll be back this year, so if you'd like to sign up for that, please sign up. If you can, as soon as possible, we need to have our names in by the 12th. It's $40 if you just go on Friday, $80 if you go both days. If you need more information about that, please see me. Then we look forward to uh, doing missions conference. Now, again, as I mentioned, we usually do that later on, but I thought we would try something different. Uh, a lot of times when we go into uh, September, November, we get, we get scheduled around uh, football games and passing out tracks and it gets to begin very busy. So I thought, well, let's try something a little different. Let's do it in March. And a gentleman who preached here before, Brother Bruce Humbert, who was a blessing. Uh, He was a former pastor up in Chicago, now he's in evangelism. Uh, You Remember remember his beard, he has a uh, beard and and mustache, has a real long squiggly like beard, but he's a great preacher and he'll be preaching as well as the Calvary Quartet. How many of you remember the Calvary Quartet? They're a great group, one of the best uh, gospel uh, singing groups that I know of and they are a blessing and they'll be with us. That that morning and evening, I believe, and looking forward to that. And that Wednesday of missions conference, we're gonna have Michael Shaver and his family. He called me, or actually emailed me and said, uh, hey, I'd like to come and share what God is doing. Uh, We believe through in Iceland. I said, okay, why don't you come? And we are looking forward to meeting these dear folks and seeing if these are folks that we would like to support uh, this next year in our Faith Promise campaign. And we'll be talking a lot more about that in the future. All right, Brother Keith, next song. All
0: right, please take your hymnal and stand and turn to 305, 305. Praise him, praise him. making your way back take your hymnals and turn to 223 223 draw me nearer we're gonna sing the first second and last verse verses one two and four number 223 <laughs>
1: go to the Lord in prayer for our tithes and offerings. We remember tonight, Peggy Tannehill, she's in the hospital for cellulitis, uh, possible pneumonia and especially for Marie Danley uh, she is going to have open heart surgery uh, Wednesday morning, Lord willing. So pray for her this week, especially Wednesday morning. Hopefully we'll find out a little more details about that, exactly when that surgery is going to be. Angie and I went and prayed with her this afternoon, but uh, let's pray for her, especially on Wednesday morning. Brother Jimmy, would you pray for these different things and for the offerings? Amen. You may be seated. Robin, take your Bibles, if you would, this evening and turn to Joshua chapter 2. That's where we're working our way through the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 2, this evening. Joshua chapter 2, and in verse 1. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy, secretly saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab. And lodged there, it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in thither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. The king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. It came to pass about the time of shutting up the gate when it was dark that the men went out. Where the men went, I wot not pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house, hid them in the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them to Jordan unto the fords as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out and shut the gate. Before they were laid down, she came unto them upon the roof. She said to the men, I know that the Lord ha- hath given you the land, that your terror is fallen upon us, that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the, the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did unto the Two things, the Amorites, who were on the other side of Jordan, Shihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. As soon as we had heard these things, our heart did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now, therefore, I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness... That ye will show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token. That ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. And the man answered her, our life for yours. If ye you utterly utter not this, our business, and it be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee, and she let them down by a cord through the, through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall, and she said unto them, "Get you to the mountain unless the pursuers meet you and hide yourselves there three days unto the pursuers he ret- be returned, and after word may ye go your way." And the man said unto her, "We will be blameless of this, thine oath, which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when he come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst set us down by, the by, and thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of this house into the streets, his blood shall be on his head, and he will not be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on on our head, if any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this our business, when we will be quiet of thine oath, which, which thou hast made us to swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. And she sent them away. And they departed, and she bound the scarlet line in the window. And they went and came into the mountain and abode there three days until the pursuers were returned. And the pursuers sought them throughout all the way but found them not so the men to the two men returned and descended into the mountains and passed over and came to to Joshua the son of Nun and told him all the things that befell them and they said unto Joshua truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land for even all the household all, all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us gracious father again as we take this few moments to look into your word, Lord, I pray you'd help us to learn the very important principles that are found in this chapter, chapter of this wonderful woman that we read about who is in the very lineage of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for her faith. And we know because of her faith, her, her faith in you, she was, she was righteous in, in, in Christ. And we're thankful for those two spies who sought out uh, the, the land and showed such diligence and such honor in their words. Oh God, help us to have such faith. Help us to have such honor, integrity, and desire to please you in every area, every aspect of our life. Oh Jesus Christ, we thank you for your goodness and your, and your love towards sinners such as I. Bless tonight and for anyone in this room who's not saved. Oh Father, would you draw that person to yourself before it's too late and help us as Christians to know you better and know your book better, so we can share it with others. In Jesus' name, amen. So chapter chapter 2, we read the first real story of this book, biblical account. And we want to pay a close attention as we read about this. Of course, it's a story of danger, devotion, determination. The first two ch- chapters deal with the preparation to cross, of course, the Jordan River. They tried that before, remember? Didn't quite work out the way they thought it would work out. The first chapter dealt with the inward preparations the principles of the creed of faith the second chapter deals with the outward preparations and the practice and the conduct of faith and so it is a lot of times in life we first hear about the doctrines, the doctrines the 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 truth of the word of god but then you see actually how we practice it out and both are true both we need to know what the word of god says and then secondly we need not know how to apply it to our life How do we actually not just okay i know what it says but how do i actually practice it both are very very important and we as the bible says we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling because ultimately we'll stand before god so first of all this this evening we see the two spies that are sent out in chapters in chapter 2 and verse 1. these two spies are sent out of canaan Forty years earlier, naturally, 12 spies were out, sent out. And we know that one of those, uh, two of those uh, spies uh, we, uh, are, is Caleb and Joshua. And instead of saying 12, he said, I'm, I'm not going to do, do the same thing that, that Moses did. I'm going to make it simple. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to send two. I'm sure he sent his best men, his, his most loyal men, uh, out to uh, spy out the land. They would cross over Jordan. And uh, they would spy out this, this, this Jericho area. Joshua, of course, means uh, Jesus in the New Testament. And, of course, we know that G- Jesus was rejected. And Joshua, uh, he would ultimately be rejected, uh, though they seemed to want to follow him, seemed to want to do the right things. But they sent these spies. Why did they send the spies? Well... They wanted complete information about the fortress of Jericho. They wanted to know about the gates, the towers, the military force, the morale of the people, the water supply, the safe place for their families that would be needed. They wanted to spout the land because they were getting ready to go into the land to destroy uh, the land utterly as they were commanded to do under Moses. They had not completed that. So now Joshua comes after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, to come and complete that what God had told them earlier to do. And so they were going to do that. So what do they what do? They, do? Is they go into the land. They spy out this land. They go and they meet this woman by name of Rahab. Of course she is known for and, and spoken about as Rahab the harlot. They go into this place where she has probably a uh, a, a, an inn of some sort uh, where there is uh, prostitution and, uh, but I believe they didn't go in there for immorality I believe they went in there for, for rest and also to get information the Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot about what went on there but they would certainly find information about the land They'd, they would know things that went on there in the land they would have knowledge from talking to people about the land and certainly that happened so we see, first of all, as I mentioned, the two spies, but number secondly, the surveillance of the king. So, of course, what, is, what happens is the king hears about what's going on. He hears from his spies and informants that there's actually some people come in, some, some Israelites that come in. They've come, into the, they've come into the place, and they hear that they have gone over to, to Rahab's place, and they begin to inquire about that. They begin to find out about it and uh, and to to he begins to question what's going on it's it's a very important uh thing in our life to 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 realize that the 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 devil knows about our things in, in our life dear friend don't 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 think that the devil doesn't know your weak points he doesn't know areas where you struggle he's been at the fact of hating mankind for thousands of years and just like the king knew where the spies were the devil knows where our struggles are in life he's like a roaring lion the Bible says seeking whom he may devour do not give him any any um, uh, food <laughs> if I may say don't give him anything that he may chew on Don't give him anything that the devil could say, well, that's a weak part in that person's life. I'm going to try to get him in that area. That's why we talked about this morning in the book of Colossians that we set our things on thing, set our life, our focus on things above, not on things below. That we set our affections, our thinking. Because dear friend, if you don't set your think, if you don't set your if you don't set your focus on things below, on on things above, you'll set your focus on things below. And if you don't set your affections on things above and are heavenly and are righteous, you'll be setting your affections on things that are below. And that's exactly what can hinder us and hurt us. Is there anything that, some hobby or some habit in our life that, that we know that's not pleasing to the Lord? Oh dear friend, we gotta be careful. Just like that king of Jericho spied out these these two men, the devil is after us to destroy us. He's a liar and a murderer from the beginning. He can't just take our he cannot take away our salvation, but he can tempt us to ruin our testimony. There's many a many a Christian that you know of yourself that maybe used to sit in these seats and seats like these in different churches who used to come to church used to live for God but they set their affections on things below not on things above and they ruined their life for just one or two bad decisions in life. And dear friend it doesn't happen in a moment it's a process of wicked thinking. Failure is a process of disobedience, a process of wicked thinking. It doesn't happen just in a second. Oh, we hear of a scandal. We hear of something all of a sudden out of the blue. But it didn't just happen just in just one moment. It was a process of, of bad decisions in a person's life. You see, dear friend, in life, you're either choosing to do right and going farther in your relationship with God, or you're choosing to go backward. There is no middle ground. There is no standing still. You're either living for Jesus tonight, or you're not living for Jesus. And every day, you have to choose that for yourself. Like Paul said, I die daily. When you get up in the morning, you have to make a decision. I'm not going to live for me. I'm going to live for Jesus. And if you don't make that decision, if you constantly, if you don't consistently, if you don't seriously make that decision in life, dear friend, I promise you, you'll backslide in your life. You have to make a decision. am I going to live for God. I'm going to live for the world. Old Killian Collier at the Wilds used to say it like this. There's just two choices on the self, serving God or serving self. Which choice are you going to make in life? Well, we see the, the surveillance of the king, but thirdly, the shrouding of the spies in verses 4 through 8. So what did Rahab do? Here she is, this harlot, this lady who has this in. And they come in, these two, these two spies come in. Interesting, her name means generous. Rahab's name means generous. She generally puts her life on the line to protect these Jewish-Israelite spies. The Bible illustrates this very important point that we find in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. And we see by her shrouding of the spies, there's a deception in verse 4. There's a deception. The Bible says the woman took the two men and hid them and said, Thus, there came men unto me, but I wist not where they were. Uh, I think she stretches out a little bit fur right there, right? She deceived them. Uh, she deceived them by deception. She shrouded the spies by direction, tells the men to pursue the spies who've left her. She points them away from the men. Thirdly, thirdly, number C, or letter C she, she disguises them. She hid the spies on the roof covered with stalks of flax. Of course, the roofs in those days were used to dry out foods and flax were used for sleeping too. After the flax dried, it was beaten to the threads and used for the manufactures of linen and cloth. Some of the scholars believe that Rahab had already begun to ch- make a change in her life because of this flax. She was not focusing on the, the, the position of ill repute, but on doing things life right in her life. Some people believe flax was not the work of a harlot. It was the work of an honorable person. Letter D, she shrouded the men by distraction. Soldiers would pursue after the spies toward the Jordan River, and they assumed this is where they would go. So the question is, as I was thinking about that, what would you do if you were in her position? Here you have two people who are God's men, and the enemy, or actually in her situation, her own brethren come into your place and say, where are the spies? What do you do? Do you tell the truth? Or do you lie? Well, I'm not getting any answers here. I guess I better tell it myself, huh? <laughs> You're all looking at me like a cow looking at two gates. <laughs> well, let me tell you this. In Jerusalem is a place that I've talked about, the Holocaust Museum. And outside the Holocaust Museum, there is a row of trees. And in that row of trees, which is called the Garden of Righteousness, is the names of people by the name of Oskar Schindler. Ever heard of Oskar Schindler? Schindler's List. He had some deception of the Nazis because he really wanted to save the Jews, and he saved 1,200 Jews by employing them and helping them. Another name on that Garden of Righteous that I saw when I was over in Israel was Corey Ten Boom. Her family saved over 800 Jews by deceiving the Nazis. Now, was it right for them to deceive the Nazis, or was it right for them to save the Jews? What was it? How many of you have read Diary of Anne Frank? You've read that? Was it wrong for those folks to hide Anne? Or was it right for? The, or was it? Was it would have been the right thing for them to tell the Nazis exactly where they were hiding the Jews? Somebody bust through your door at two o'clock in the morning, and they say, "Yeah, <laughs> we know what Wilma would do." <laughs> and they say, "And they say to me, I say to you, how many people are in this house? Are you going to tell them the truth? Are you going to take them to each bedroom? Are you going to tell them where? Tell them where they sleep? Or are you going to lie?" What are you going to do? What about Cassie Burnell? So who in the world is Cassie Burnell? Remember of the Columbine shootings years ago? There's two men who went in and killed kids in a public school. One of the two that was killed by was named Cassie Burnell. One of them put the gun to her head and said, are you a Christian? And she said, yes. And they shot and killed her. What would you do? Well, it's a very interesting situation, and often we don't put ourselves often in those situations. But I think it's something for us to to think about. I believe especially in times of war, in times when your life is threatened, obviously lying is wrong, we know that. But which is the greater? Lying or death? Can you recover from lying? Yeah, but can you recover from death? There's no recovering from death. I listened to the great Charles Swindoll, Chuck Swindoll, and he was talking about this, and he basically believed when your life is threatened, especially in time of war, take the lesser of the two evils. Obviously, we know lying's wrong, but in a case where a situation like that, which would you rather do? Lie or tell the truth and someone dies? Interesting question. Hopefully, none of us will ever have to get in that situation, but that's something we need to think about as we live this life, which is, which is the lesser of the two evils in situations like that. Number four, we see the statement of Rahab's faith in, in verses 9 through 11. She says, I know the Lord hath given you the land. We have heard of the Lord has done. He has God. Rahab acted upon what she knew. Interesting enough that they, they heard what happened. They heard about what happened in the Red Sea. I bet they heard about the fact that they tried to go into, a group of them went in to spy the land 40 years earlier, and they didn't go far into the land. They went back into, uh, went back into they, where they were towards Egypt, and they wandered for 40 years. I'm sure they heard of their wanderings. I'm sure, as she mentioned, she, they, she, she heard of there the people had heard about their wars with the people of the land, what was happening, and this made a great impression upon her. And you know what dear friend people hear about things that we do you know we get to thinking well you know nobody knows and nobody cares but oh dear friend the people people around you know what you know what's going on our testimony before god matters our testimony before god matters her test the testimony of the people of israel mattered to rahab it mattered to the people of jericho where they heard about their god about the god the god of israel and it caused them to fear. And dear friend, the people that we work around, the people that we live around, your family and friends ought to know that you have a testimony for Jesus Christ. They ought to know that you go to church on Sunday. They ought to know that you choose to live for God. They ought to know uh, that you are a person who, who, who tries to live right and do right. Your, your, your yard should reflect that, amen? Your house should reflect that. Your dress should reflect that. Your life should reflect that. Well, everything we do to the best of our ability. The Bible says whether we eat, drink, or whatsoever we do, and that's pretty. Whatsoever is pretty big, isn't it? We do all to the glory of God, because our lives, dear friends, are not ourselves. We're living our lives, un, life unto Christ that he might be glorified so that people would see us. And by the grace of God, Christ would be glorified in that. The Bible says, so faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. She heard about what was happening. Rahab was faithful to the light that she had been given and acted upon it. She used as an example in two times in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, by faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she received the spies with peace. I mean, she's in the hall of faith with Moses and Abraham and Sarah. I mean, she's in that. She's in that's a that's a that's a good company to be with. But she had faith. She believed. She trusted in God. In James chapter two and verse twenty-five, likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works, when she received the messengers and had sent them out another way. See, Rahab didn't have a silent faith. She didn't, they, she didn't have a dormant faith, she had an active faith. She believed in God and it was accounted unto her for righteousness. And dear friend, that is the sign of true belief. We know the verses well, Ephesians two eight nine. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works. Salvation is not about what you do. Salvation is not about what you wear. Salvation is not about where you go. Salvation is not about what you have. Salvation is in a person. Jesus Christ alone. Jesus Christ alone. She had faith in God, and God accounted that faith unto righteousness. This act of faith, we have to have active faith that causes us to serve the Lord, help us to be a witness for the Lord, to want to to help others, to encourage others. It shouldn't be just theoretical. It shouldn't be something we just hear about on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Sunday school, and Wednesday night. It should be something that's active. You should actively want to show your neighbors that you're a Christian by doing Christian things, by showing concern, by showing care, by showing love, by showing empathy, by showing understanding. Do you do these things actively or they're just, well, I know they're a good, preacher, but I don't actually do them. Then, dear friend, what's the point of your faith? If your faith is not active, do you have faith at all? That's what James says, right? Now you're not saved by your works for sure. But, dear friend, when you're saved, a saved person, any person I've ever met in almost 35 years of salvation who truly got saved started doing things for God. They got serious about God. They started reading their Bible and praying. They started showing up in church. They began to change. They, they, they changed their clothing. They changed their attitude. They changed their life. And sometimes it was a slow growth. Or sometimes you plant things out there and they seem like they'll never grow. You put a weed out there, it'd grow five feet in two days. <laughs> but everybody's different. Different soils. We know the, the parable of the sower. Different people grow under different circumstances in different situ- situations. But different, there's definitely a change in the life. We see this active faith in her life and the difference that she made. Number five, we see the supplication for safety in verses 12 and 13. Rahab's faith continues to be seen and she becomes a picture of the process of redemption. She saved the spies. This was a picture of her righteousness of of Christ saving men. why the flax was used to make f- f- linen garments Revelation 18 8 19 8 we find these garments picture the righteousness of the Saints the righteousness in Christ and we see in Romans chapter 3 verse 21 Then we see Rahab's burden to save others she wasn't just take care, care about herself and protection for her for herself she cared about her brothers care about her mom and, and 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 family and fathers she wanted us to take care of herself she said I want to, would you take care of my family and, and our stuff if I hide you if I protect you if I keep silent will you take care of my family oh man if only, if only we were that earnest about our own family if only we were that earnest of praying for our own folks who are not saved or not right with God I ask you a question do you have a list of folks that you pray for on a regular basis especially those who are not saved you have a list you have a list different we ought to have a list every day lord would you save so and so so and so hey we talked about the parable this morning of the of the widow woman who went before the unjust judge because of her continual crying out he granted her the wish that she had to get revenge different we ought to we ought to be a person who continually knocks on the doors of, of heaven and we beseech the father through the blood of Jesus Christ to answer our prayer. Dear friend, we can boldly be go before the throne of grace because of what Christ has done on the cross. Let's use that opportunity while we can. While we can. There's a day coming, dear friend, where we won't be able to pray no more. We won't pray. We won't, our prayers will be gone. We'll be in the very presence of God. We'll be in the very presence of God. Oh, the Bible says Hebrews chapter. 4 verse 12 let us come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need she gave a supplication she cared about those who were around him she had a burden for others we have a burden for others you have a burden for your neighbor you have a burden for that person you see every week at the grocery store you have the burden for that woman you see at the library your teachers kids at school do you have a burden for them you care about their souls Every person you see is a soul that's going to heaven or going to hell. you think about that? You care? It's easy to look at the exterior of somebody and judge them quickly and say, well, that old poor soul, he's on his way to hell. Oh, dear friend, if it wasn't for the grace of God, there go I. There go you and I. Every person we see. God loves every person we see. And he wants every person we see to go to heaven. We ought to ask God to help them to know the Lord, and maybe he wants to use us. Number six, we see the surety for security in verses 14. It says, and the men answered her, our life for yours. I love that little statement. Our life, or we're willing to give our life for, for your life. Oh, I got to know some, some dear men of God in the past and churches I've been a part of. They gave their life, the very, the very end of their life taking care of their dear wives as they sunk into sickness and pain and sorrow. Oh, a lot of times I've seen folks in situations like that, the husband will put the wife or the wife will put the husband in nursing home. Let somebody else take care of them. But these, two men, these men of God that I met, they took care of their dear wives unto the very end. I thought to myself, "Wow, what grace, what kindness, what what love!" But dear friend, didn't we make that? Didn't we say that when we stood before the altar right down here that in sickness and in health, in rich and in poorness, I will stay, I will be with you till death do us part? Are those mere words? But didn't we give a vow between all the people there and the witness before God? Dear friend, we gave a vow before God that we would help that person and encourage that person and love that person and provide for that person and take care of that person to death do us part. And God thinks highly upon those words, dear friend. And she thought about those words as we think about those words as as they said, hey, we give our lives for yours. We're willing to sacrifice everything. We'll do whatever it takes. But our word is true. If ye utter not this our business, it shall be where the Lord hath given us the land, and we will dwell kindly and truly with thee. You can trust us. And I believe, I believe she believed that. The suggestion for escape. Verses fifteen and sixteen. Rahab lets the men down in the window of the wall. She actually dwelt there in the wall. It's interesting. I was learning more about these walls of Jericho, and when I was over in Jericho, which is down south of Jerusalem, around below sea level, these walls were 90 feet high and 30 feet wide. Imagine imagine trying to build those walls. A 15-foot gap was spanned between by wood planks, and the houses were built into the walls with windows on the interior and exterior sides. These shelters provide needed room for lodging people. It's believed that Rahab dwelt on the west wall. The mountains were on the west side of Jericho. There are limestone cliffs about 1,500 feet high and honeycomb with caves that could hide them. She instructs them to go in the direction because the soldiers would not assume they go this way. It is also believed she would be on the west side because the archaeologists revealed in recent findings the only way to survive the destruction of Jericho was a lone tower section on the west side that is still parts of it. Are still even seen today interesting enough what she do she said wait in the mountain for three days they would be very stressful and taxing on Joshua I'm sure he was waiting for the news he's ready to move Joshua had learned through the years the importance of being patient and waiting on the Lord so he didn't do anything till he heard back from the spies number eight the stipulations for survival we see in verses 17 through 20 before their departure the spies review the conditions for the survival rehab We see the sign of the scarlet thread in verses 17 and 18. The Bible says that the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath, which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, that thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou hast let down, and thou shalt bring thy father, thy mother, thy brethren, and all thy father's household and home unto thee. The scarlet thread was going to be hung out the window. The red dye, interesting enough, was obtained from boiling certain type of rocks, ores. Ores from crushing a certain type of bug, which produced a brilliant red color. This this uh, word uh, is, is Aramic, which is which is cremice, We would get our word crimson from it. It was difficult to store or store this type of dye. Rope was put into the dye and absorbed. Later, when the cloth was ready for dyeing, water was boiled and the dyed rope was cut and put in water. Six inches of rope could dye a large amount of cloth. The scarlet thread was a beautiful picture of the blood of Christ that is seen all through the Bible. The judgment would pass over them of the the rope of red. What a beautiful picture of the shelter that we have in Christ from from the judgment when Christ's blood is is applied to our account. In Egypt, of course, the death angel passes over the homes when the blood was applied to the doorposts. In the sacrifice of the red heifer, the scarlet thread was wrapped around hyssop and thrown into the flames when the heifer was burnt. The ashes were mixed together and used of a ceremonial cleansing. The blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. On the Day of Atonement, a scarlet thread was attached to the gate of the tabernacle. Jewish historians state it was white linen that had been dyed red. If the sin of the people was atoned for, the thread would turn white to black. After the crucifixion, interesting enough, in the destruction of the temple, the rope remained red because the sacrifice of Christ had been rejected. The purpose of the thread was identification, a mark of obedience and separation from wickedness. We are to be identified by Christ by His obedience, by obedience to the Lord and separation from the world and their wicked lifestyle. I read about a story this week that was told about the village in Botswana land. You know where that's at? What continent? Ah, you're smarter than I thought. Good job. I had to look it up myself. To the surprise of some of the one man who raised chickens, notice that these, some of the chickens with little red ribbons fastened to their backs between their wings. He asked the owner of the chickens what was the purpose of the little red ribbons. He answered and told the traveler that the red ribbons protected his chickens from hawks that would normally attack them. During his 15 years in the village, no chicken was taken by a hawk if it had a red ribbon on its back. Yet many chickens did not have the red ribbon and they were carried off by the hawks. They had, other ones had blue and green and other colors that the, 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 did not work except the red. What's the lesson? The scarlet ribbon of Christ's blood protects us from the wrath and doom that awaits the unbelieving sinner and keeps us from the onslaughts of Satan who desires to take us all captive. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. We see the separation from the people. The separation of the people. Not only the sign of the scarlet thread. We see the separation in verses 18 and 19. It says, Behold, when they come to the land, that shall bind this line of scarlet thread the window, without just let down. The separation. This was a second stipulation for survival, as we see in verse 19. It shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of the house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and it will be guilt, and and, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head if thy hand be upon him. And that's simply true today. You tell people about Jesus Christ you tell them the truth about Jesus Christ, and when you tell them about heaven and hell, you know what, dear friend, after you've done that, their blood is off your hands. And if they go out and they don't listen to you, and they die without Christ in their life, that is their decision. That's their choice. Everybody's got to make that decision. You can't make someone get saved. You can't make anyone get saved. But you can live a Christian life to make them thirsty for what you are and what you have. We see the silent tongue in verse 20. If thou utter this our business, then we will be quiet, quit. We will quit thine oath which thou hast made us to swear. Rahab had to keep quiet, had to keep silent by these spies, or the deal was off. And so often in our life, we mess things up by saying things and doing things that destroy our life. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 7, there's a time to rent, a time to sow, a time to keep silent, and a time to speak. I've said this before when my dear uh, college presidents at Northland Baptist Bible College said, don't always speak the truth. Ladies, ladies, listen to me. You don't always have to tell it. What am I speaking to you, ladies? Because ladies speak a lot more words than men. That's, that's, that's not just a preachers, that's scientifically proven. Ladies, you don't, always have to speak the, you don't always have to speak the truth. But when you do speak, speak only the truth. When I was talking to a bunch of preachers just the other day. He said, they said the number one sin in the Baptist church of the day is gossip among people. Did you hear what I said? The number one destruction of churches today is the gossip of its people. It's when people don't have enough things to do in life, even though they have, they really do have a lot of stuff to do in life. They're just not doing it. They get on the phone and they start saying, "Oh, I got a prayer request," and it starts out for a prayer request. And after about 35 minutes, they finally get to the prayer request. Between the time they started and 35 minutes in, they've been talking about gossip the whole time. No, dear friend, if it doesn't involve you or involve somebody else, stay away from it. Stay away from. It. Don't don't get into gossip. Don't get into tail bearing. Don't get into assumptions. I think I know what they said. No, you don't know. You could assume what's going on and you don't have a clue what somebody's doing. I people make people do make decisions and do things. I don't try to guess what they're doing. If you have any guesswork, just go up and ask them. Oh, I saw somebody leave early. Oh, he must not be right with God. Maybe they had to go have an emergency. Who knows? Don't just assume it and then for 35 minutes speculate on what must be wrong with their life. No, dear friend. Let you ye yea be yea and ye nay be nay. Bible says in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19: In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. Listen to the Proverb. Proverbs 21:23: Whoso keepeth his mouth and tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. Oh dear friends. How important it is to be careful. If Rahab, you know, would have started talking about what was going on, and one of those other ladies or other uh, patrons of the inn had heard it, it would destroy the whole thing. Be careful, little mouths, what they say. Let's speak righteousness. Let's speak righteousness. Do you know that every idle word that we we speak is written down in a book in heaven? Every word. Idle word. If that is true, and the Bible says it is, shouldn't we think about what we say every day? Shouldn't we say it? We see the spirit of the spies in verse twenty through to twenty-four, and they went and came into the mountain and their there three days. And the pursuers returned, and pursuers sought them throughout all the way, and they found them not. Where they do, we can do it. They were victorious. What was the attitude of the spies? Think for a second, these guys were almost captured, their lives were almost destroyed, they had to hide the mountains for three days, they didn't know if they were going to live, they didn't know if they were going to die, but they had faith and trust in God. What was the difference 40 years ago? What was the difference? These people had a can-do, believe, and trust in God. But before, ten of the other spies did not. You know what we all need to have in life? Generally speaking, we need to have an attitude that I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. If God has given you something to do, then do it with all your might and believe that through you things can be done exactly how he, wants you to, how he wants you to get it done. Trust in God. Believe. Have faith. Faith. Trust. And what's the summary of Rahab's reward in faith? Rahab did not perish by faith, the Bible says again. In Hebrews eleven thirty one, 31, Rahab perished not. With them that believe not, but she had received the spies with peace. And she became a princess of Judah. The The Bible says, "And and Salmon begat Boaz of Jacob, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse. Why, she's in the lineage of David the king. She's in the lineage of Jesus Christ. You say a harlot? Yep. God can use the outcasts. God can use the nobodies. God can use the, 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 the people that are looked down upon and, and, and hated and despised. He, he, God can use anybody if they'll simply turn to God by faith and trust in him. He can use a harlot, and he did. And dear friend, if he can use Rahab the harlot, he can use you. Know, you. you know what the greatest ability is? Availability. Availability. Let me ask you a question. What are you doing for Jesus right now? Say, Preacher, I'm in church. I'm so glad you are on Sunday night. What are you doing outside of that for Jesus? We are talking about Rahab the harlot who, by faith, did a great work for God. She had active obedience towards God and hid these men, saved their lives, saved their families, and is talked about in the New Testament is in the very lineage of Christ. What a beautiful picture of God's love and grace. But what about our life? What about our picture? What could be said about us? What could be said about what we are doing right now? You say, well, Lord willing, someday I'll do something for Jesus. No, dear friend, don't live in the someday. Live in the now. What right now, by faith, does God want you to do with what you have? You say, Preacher, I can't do a whole lot. Okay, well, maybe not a whole lot, but what can you do? You know, I think a lot of times we kept thinking to ourselves, Well, either I used to do a whole lot, but now I can't do anything, or I want to do, do a whole lot, but I just don't know how. What's keeping us from doing anything? Simply the will to do it. Simply the will to do it. And the faith in God that He will accomplish exactly what He, what he wants you to do through your life. What is that specifically? What act might it be? It's not theoretical. Well, in my mind, I'd love to. No, dear friend, not in your mind. Not theoretically. Not what you want to do. Not what you wish to do. What are you going to do by the grace of God? What are you going to do with this life He has given you by the grace of God? Attempt great things for God. Attempt it to the very best. You say, well, preacher, I'm going to attempt it. And you say, well, I might fail. (laughs) You might not even get to the part where you even do it. But at least go forward in it. Go forward in it to the best of your ability. By the grace of God, the strength that He gives you, go forward in it. Don't focus on the failure. Don't focus on the possibility. But go forward in what God has you to do. And be a testimony to those around you who see you work your life by the grace of God through faith in Christ, what a picture that would be. Oh, not a perfection because none of us are perfect, but at least trusting and by the grace of God, trying to do all we can while we can. Christ, what does God want you to do with these years that you have left? I'm not talking about working a nine-to-five job. I'm not talking about being a parent because those are very important. I'm talking about what is specifically God want you to do with the life that he's given you. That someday if we, if we last so long, some preacher will stand over your casket and say, by the grace of God, they did this. They believed God and it was counted unto them for righteousness. Look at the actions that they did for Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this wonderful example of Rahab and these two spies. We don't even know their names, but I have no doubt we'll meet them in heaven. Because of their actions, their active belief, we look back at them with honor. Oh, I pray the day that you know Christ is your Savior, dear friend. Has there been a time in your life where you recognize the fact that you're a sinner? That Jesus Christ was the only Savior, and you placed your faith and trust in Him, not in being good, not in some type of action, not in some type of work, not some type of appearance, but in faith in Christ alone. Have you made that decision? You've turned from your sin, and you placed your your trust, all your faith, in Christ to save you. Have you ever made that decision? Say, preacher, I've never made that decision, or I'm not sure I made that decision, but I want to be sure today, I want to be sure if I die, I'll go to heaven and not hell. Would you pray for me? No one's looking around, just you and I and the Lord. Preacher, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I die today, I'd go to heaven, but I want to be sure, would you pray for me? Anybody like that at all tonight? I'm just not sure of my salvation. Dear friend, your salvation is not based on anything you've done. It's based on what Christ has done for you. Have you place your faith in Christ alone anybody at all I'm not sure about that how about you as a the biblical account of Rahab and these two spies have they encouraged you to see these two these two folks the two spies we don't know their name and Rahab she's called a harlot they did great things for God I need to do more for Christ I need to do more in my life for Jesus. I need to to say yes to him. I need to quit making excuses. I need to quit focusing on what I've done in the past. I need to get over my my stumbling and bumbling and problems. I want to do more for Jesus. I need to do more for Jesus. Would you pray for me, preacher, that by the grace of God, through his help and through his strength tonight, that I do more for him? Whatever he wants me to do, I'm willing to do. Amen. Praise God. Anyone else? Amen. Anyone else? I'm willing. Amen. I want to be obedient to the Lord. With whatever time He gives me, I want to please the Lord. I want to obey the Lord. Success is is doing the will of God. Following Him to the best of your ability by His grace. Anyone else? Pray for me, preacher. I want to please the Lord with my life. Let's stand to our feet. If you're here tonight, you know Christ is your Savior. We welcome you to come. you have questions about Christianity, if you're a question of what, what it means to be saved, maybe you're just not sure. We encourage you at this time to come down. If you're a man, talk to Brother Travis, if you're a lady, talk to my wife. And dear friend, I'm always available after church. My wife and I and Travis are available after church if you'd like to talk, talk talk to us. But if you're here tonight as a Christian and say, Preacher, I want to do more for him. I just have this burning desire to please him more, to love him more. I want to obey him more. Whatever whatever he wants me to do, I'm willing to do it. I want God to show me and help me tonight as the piano plays. Would you make that commitment tonight? Would you make that decision? Would you put a stake down in your life? Whatever it is, tonight I'm making a decision. Whatever the Lord wants me to do, I'm going to do it. Wherever he leads me, wherever he guides me, wherever he shows me, I'm going to do it. No more excuses. No matter what-ifs, could-bes, or should-haves, by the grace of God, I'm going to live for him from this moment on to the end of my life. The altar's open this evening. Would you come? The altar's open. Rahab, two spies, obeyed God. We're talking about him tonight. How about you? What is the level of your obedience? What's hindering you from obeying God? Would you come? Would you come? The Spirit of God is speaking to you. Would you obey? Oh, how different your life would be if you looked up to Jesus, saw the great need that there are, follow Him all the way home.
2: We just thank you for the message tonight, Lord. Thank you for <clears throat> uh a preacher that'll share your word with us, Lord, and uh someone that'll give it to us straight, Lord. Just help us to uh have the faith to stand for you, Lord. Help us to stand up and stand out for you. Help us to uh be as the Israelites were at that time, Lord. And it might have seemed foolish, not nah, not uh not in a wise way to go uh march around a city to conquer it, Lord. That wasn't that wasn't something that uh, was a wise military strategy lord but uh they could follow after you and you could uh you could show them that uh by doing that, that it was just you that had done it, Lord, not not by man, but only by God. And we just thank you for the faith in that. We thank you that we can stand on that faith. Lord. We Thank you that we still serve the God of Joshua and the God of Moses, Lord. Lord, just help us to remember that. Help us to, uh, to remember that we can have the same faith as them, Lord. Just uh, take us home safely this evening, Lord, and bring us back safely to the next appointed time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.